With Stephanie Holan. In and out of the courtroom, Stephanie seamlessly navigates the legal world of criminal defense, family law, and more. And now, your host, Stephanie Holan. Good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Total Disclosure on On Air Live. You can find us streaming on onairlive.com. And today I'm going to be talking about several things. Um, One, I'm going to explain some legal jargon that gets thrown around in a lot of defense cases. And then we're going to talk about your constitutional rights because you hear people throw around the word First Amendment rights and right to free speech. And it's true, you have those, but there's a lot of big misunderstandings about what exactly your First Amendment protects you from. So first, I want to discuss in defense cases, When you have a lawyer representing you, you can go in and you're offered three things. You can plead guilty, you can plead nolo contendere, which is Latin for no contest, which means I'm not going to tell you I did it, I'm not going to say I didn't do it. When you plead no contest, the judge can find you guilty. Or you can plead guilty, yes I did it. So you've got guilty, not guilty, and no contest. If you go in and you have somebody representing you, let's say you got a parking ticket and you go in and you have an outrageous fine because you let it sit and then you got another parking ticket on top of it and you didn't show up for the first hearing for the ticket. So now you're going to have a warrant on a parking ticket. So you get a lawyer who goes in there and the lawyer walks in and says, here's what I'm proposing. I want to lower the fee from whatever amount it is. Normally by that point is about $380, $400. I want to take that down, and I also want to do what's called deferred adjudication. Adjudication is a fancy word for final decision legal-wise. So deferred adjudication is the court's way of saying, we haven't decided you're a really bad person, and we don't want to convict you at this point, so we're going to give you a certain amount of time. The least amount of time I've ever seen for deferred is 60 days. Standard is around 90 days. And then I see a lot um, with DUIs or possession of narcotics that get set at six months. And so what deferred does is it says, we're not going to decide that you're guilty right now. We're going to give you six months. And this is a test. If you get another ticket, if you get, if you break any of the laws, if you get caught in possession again, if you get caught in your high, then you failed the test. And now we're going to convict you straight out. So you failed during deferred adjudication. So Deferred means we're literally waiting until the end of that time period that we gave you to test you to see whether or not you can behave yourself. And this is a really good system because for most people, you can behave yourself for 60 days or 90 days or six months. But then there are some times where I have clients who get told, okay, you have 90 days of deferred and then you have to take a drug screen a week before you come back in at the end of your deferred. And then they will throw fits. Well, what kind of drug screen? And I'm like, that's up to the judge. It can be a hair follicle test. It can be a UA, a urine analysis. Um, It can be fingernail clippings. The thing about your hair and your fingernails, um, those go back about six months. So we can tell what you were doing and what's in your system. So you might think that it's out, 
but it's not out if we give you one of those tests. I just want to say as a layman, I'm jumping in here, um, I'd never heard of a fingernail clipping test before your second show. Oh, really? I'd never heard of that. I oh. heard of hair, urinalysis, all that. Never heard of fingernails. Well, and a lot of people will try to avoid that because they think they're clever and they're like, ah, oh, I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to yes. shave my arms and legs and there's going to be no hair and I'm going to trim down my nails. It, we'll take your eyebrows. We will, you know, go on your neck. Like, it doesn't matter which hair fall. You're going to miss something. There's hair somewhere. Exactly. And <laughs> I know that that sounds somewhat gross, but if you're trying to get around the law, I mean, why would you shave your head and shave your arms if you right. didn't think you were going to fail? So that in and of itself speaks volumes, but we can't say that you're guilty because of it. So we're like, okay, well, we'll it's find just highly some... highly suspect. Exactly. And most people won't cut their own nails down into the quick, but... That fingernail test is a lot more telling and a lot more accurate than a urine dip. So now in court, and yesterday evening I was in court and the judge ordered a hair follicle test. And it was a very interesting conversation having to explain, okay, you have six months and literally the only thing you have to do is not do anything at all. Literally not anything at all. Just don't, don't smoke. And you're free and clear. Don't, don't do anything and you're free and clear. And you would be surprised the amount of times that I hear, well, but I mean, what all can they see? And is it really exactly six months and how many days? And I'm like, okay, the fact that you're negotiating this means that we're probably not going to make it to the end of that six month period, but really restrain yourself, like contain your crazy some other legal way so that you test clean at the end of six months, just make it easy on yourself. Then there's no conviction because guess what happens if you get the conviction? it stays forever and it follows you around. And if you have a conviction on your record for, let's say DUI, and then you get busted driving under the influence again, well, then you violated the terms of the deferred. So now you're convicted of the first one and now you're facing charges for the second one. You're that much closer to losing your driver's license. And had you just not done anything, you wouldn't have it. But if you're convicted of the crime, you have to fill out a job application. Have you been convicted of a crime? Even if it's just pot, and I hear that all the time, but it's just pot. Just all, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just this. Well, guys, mm -hmm. it's still against federal law. It's still illegal. I, I realize that Colorado did that, and that's a state law, but Colorado is in opposition from the federal government. So if the federal government came in, they could still arrest you for violating federal law, even though you're in Colorado where it's legal. You just have to find the right angry federal agent who's going to take you in because you can find people like that. So I get unique, but what if I go and I smoke pot in Colorado? Okay, well, we're talking about the laws of Texas right now. Right. And Texas has said for deferred, you have to stay clean for this long. So the court doesn't care whether or not you go somewhere else and smoke where it's legal and then come back because then you'll still test dirty and it will still be a violation. And then you're going to have that conviction and having to report, yes. I've been convicted of crime, and what is my crime? My crime is doing drugs. I'm begging people out there, name the number of employers at good jobs, not, not very low minimum wage paying jobs. I mean a job that you could sustain a decent life, a decent living on. Name the number of them who are going to hire you knowing that you're a drug addict because that's what they see when you say, oh, I've been convicted of drugs. And that, it's not worth it. I mean- Stay clean for three months, for six months. Do something else. Exercise. Find something else. Because that deferred is kind of a blessing. It's, it's the court trying to give you a chance to not have something go on your record. 
is it difficult to comply with? Of course. And could I make a lot of arguments about, well, this person is addicted? Of course. But your addiction does not matter when we're talking about laws. Laws are laws. You could have the best reason in the world for doing it and you've still broken the law. And so that's where it gets really funny. I mean, I have really great conversations about, well, but what if I, is it going to be this many days? And well, what if I'm where other people are doing it? I'm like, if you are where other people are doing it, call an Uber. You're probably making the bad choice. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and yes, people will bring it out at parties. And I'm sure they're your friends. But if they're really your friends, they're going to understand that if you don't leave and the cops show up because of a noise violation and they come in, guess what? Now you're somewhere where it is. It doesn't matter whether it's your house. If they say that you're in possession of it, well, now we violated that deferred and now that follows you forever. And to me, I just can't understand that anything that's going to last shorter than 24 hours is going to be worth something haunting me for the rest of my life. Forever, yeah. And so that's what deferred adjudication means. Now, a lot of people will get a DUI and then they'll get another DUI. I need to throw this out there. Less than 1% of the population ever ends up in court. And it's a very small fraction of that 1% who are in for a DUI. So for someone to get hit with a second one, especially when it's under a year, you're looking at a much higher thing. And once you hit the third, not only you're facing jail time every time, but you're facing serious sentencing the more you get caught. And considering that hardly anybody in the population gets pulled over for that, if you're a repeat violator, we can already tell that you have alcohol issues and you're going to violate it. So you're looking at losing your license. And some of the things that I want to tell people who are listening, losing your license, yeah, eventually after a certain amount of time, if you behave yourself again, think this deferred period, you can get your license back. But in the meantime, if you're caught in possession a second time or you have your DUI and, and they take your license, then you have to get an occupational license. You have to pay for that. Then if you have an occupational license, you have to report it to your insurance company and you have to file something called an SR-22, which is a legal form that you turn into your insurance company saying, hey, I lost this license. So right now I'm driving and I'm only driving for work purposes. And guess what happens to your insurance rates? They go up. They go up an insane amount because now we know that we're working with somebody who's got a problem with some kind of substance. It doesn't matter whether it's a drug or alcohol to the insurance company. And then you're looking at this insane rate increase on your insurance. And so I'm begging people out there, when you get that chance for deferred, please take it. And I know that it's tough, but don't, don't screw yourself over by using something temporary to, to have something haunt you forever. I, I, I know that it's difficult and it's especially difficult when I work with high school kids or college kids, because that stuff comes out at parties. And I always, I laugh because I remember when I was growing up, they had McGruff the crime dog and they'd send the dare officers out to your school and they'd have the sure, big glass. Sure, take a glass, bite out of crime. Right. You'd have the big glass case. And that's, that's the only time I had ever seen drugs until I was much, much older. And I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. So the one time it came out at a college party, I threw a fit until somebody got me a cab. And I left because I just knew what I wanted to do and it wasn't worth it to me. Yeah. But 
it's not these creepy people in trench coats jumping out at you going, hey, kid, do you want to buy right, a, right. Do you want to buy a dime bag? Like, it doesn't happen that way. It's your friends. Uh, underage drinking is the same way. It's your friends. It's people you're close with. Oh, hey, look what my parents have. Here's, I'd say that's the original gateway drug. That's exactly right. And it's so easy. And And I've heard all kinds of ways of kids, some of them I will not mention on the air, but soaking gummy bears in vodka and then taking gummy bears to school. Um, the cherries, the maraschino cherries, swapping out the juice for vodka. And so then they'll pack the cherries in their lunch. So you've got these kids who are in class and, and they are beyond buzz. You've got major problems if you're getting drunk before, during class in high school. Oh, <laughs> and you would be bad. surprised because but before I was an attorney, I was a teacher and I taught seventh grade and I had girls who were using... Um, delicate supplies during a not so fun time. And they would soak those in alcohol because it was a direct, literally direct skin yeah. contact. And so they would get drunk. Seventh graders, that's 12 and 13 year olds. And so when you're working with this, and I'm working with younger people who have, you know, been cited for possession of uh, drug paraphernalia, possession of pot under two ounces, above two ounces above two grams, under two grams, and you just start looking at it. And the younger they are, the more likely they are to violate it because they have such exposure to it. It's, it's crazy to me, um, but it's even crazier that so many people don't seem to understand that it's not some creepy person jumping out at your children saying, here, do this. So when I'm working with these young college kids who are getting right, these it's tickets... It's not cinematic. No, it's it's not a dramatic thing. And trying to explain to them, I realize that it's going to be the best party of the year and it's the end of the school year and everybody's going to be there. And that's great, but is it worth... Because you're going to be out of college at that point within three years. So is it worth that one party to have that on your record forever? I mean, we're talking about getting jobs outside of college and hopefully you've gotten yourself into college. And if you're not, well, guess what? If you're in high school and you do this, then you have to report it on your college applications. And you have to, if you don't have a family that can just write a big check for going to college, because yeah. mine didn't have that kind of money. I had to borrow, you know, take student loans and get scholarships. And so you have to report it on that. And if you have that kind of conviction, guess what? We're not going to give you financial aid. We don't want to give somebody who's breaking the law and this. And so the ramifications of this are so great. So I will reiterate that deferred, adjudicate, deferred adjudication is a gift from the court trying to give you a chance to keep it off of your record. And we're trying to give you that test run period to be like, please be a good person. Don't come back and have tested dirty at the end of three months or six months. It's not worth it. But I, if you I do, I grew up with a lot of people though who who basically when they got that deferred when you know when they're young and they're stupid they say yes. it's basically how much can I push this to the limit? They'd say oh I have a whole six months well I can keep smoking weed during that time then I'll just detox at the end, having no idea that you could still and it could you know come up dirty or they could take your hair or fingernails exactly. and find out everything you've been doing exactly. And, it, and the thing that it it makes me laugh a lot because. Um, Yesterday, I had several um, several different hearings in court yesterday afternoon, and one of the people, not my client, but one of the people there, well, that's okay. They can test me then because I bleached my hair. This particular person was going to be tested that day. Right. I bleached all of my hair, and I did all of this, and I'm like, um, hair follicle? 
it doesn't mean we're cutting from the bottom. We're not right. snipping, you know, a foot down on your long hair. We're pulling it from the scalp from where the we root. get the, the root tag and that's what we test. So guess what? It doesn't matter how much you bleach the outside of your hair. It really, you could, you could wax off your eyebrows. It doesn't matter. We'll find the follicle and test it. So could you even take like an eyelash? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way to possibly get it. I, I mean, I think if you were to pluck out each one of your individual eyelashes, <laughs> you have so many bigger problems bigger than just problems. smoking pot because that just sounds you can't appear in public anymore. Painful. But yeah. Um, yeah, that would be slightly creepy. So for those people out there who are offered deferred, please see it as the gift that it is from the court. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, I will be discussing your constitutional rights, especially the First Amendment. More of Total Disclosure with Stephanie Holland is next. Captain in prison, in a prison of With Stephanie Holman on On Air Live. Welcome back to Total Disclosure. I'm Stephanie Holman. I am following up with this second part, talking about your constitutional rights. As a defense attorney, it's my job to make sure that the government recognizes your rights and is following them because we want the people who are enforcing the laws to be following the laws. We don't want lawbreakers putting lawbreakers in jail that defeats the purpose. Now, the Constitution of the United States, the basic Constitution, has three articles, and they set up the three branches of government. But then you have the amendments. Now, the amendments, the, the Constitution, the first three articles, tell you how government's set up and what the government can do. And shortly after they wrote that, they realized that that wasn't going to work out because they needed some protections for the citizens. For As a federal government, we were going to have to have protections for citizens, what can the government not do? So they wrote the, the first 10 amendments are called the Bill of Rights, but these first 10 amendments protect you from what the government can't do. So it's giving you your individual rights. And the number one thing that I heard throw, it, it gets thrown around and it's very misunderstood. And I hear people say it all the time is, we have the right to free speech and that's not right. And you can't do that. And we were discussing earlier, um, I believe that Tommy Laren and I not only talk a lot alike, but we are you also do. somewhat on the opposite sides on the political spectrum. She's more conservative than I am, and I'm more liberal than she is, although some things we really agree on, and then some we're so far opposite, it's kind of funny. But she was on her show, and she said um, that the government should not regulate her body as a woman, and the government should not regulate guns. And this caused a massive upheaval. A lot of people got upset, especially her very conservative followers, and it actually lost her place. And everybody started saying, this is not fair. They violated her, her right to free speech. Okay, I'm going to try to explain this. Your right to free speech comes from the First Amendment. The First Amendment says the government can't shut down your speech. She wasn't working for the government. The government did not come in and turn off her radio show. Right. The private company that it's she was occupation. working for, yeah. it's a job. And yeah. this is the same thing with Duck Dynasty. 
I don't even remember what the controversial thing that got said. Oh, it, it was about lifestyle choices. Somebody didn't like lifestyle choices. And then I yes. guess A&E, I think, is the station it was I think on. So. They decided to pull it. And again, you hear these people cry, oh my gosh, that's a violation. They're first mate. If they don't like that, they don't. You're right. You have the right to hate everybody. Be as bigoted as you want to. The The Constitution doesn't stop you from being a jerk. It doesn't mean A&E has to it. Air doesn't it. <laughs> mean that a private company has to give you airtime yeah. to air your rants. And... I'm probably going to upset a lot of people by saying this, but the Bill of Rights, your First Amendment right, says that the government can't shut down your speech. So I'm going to be really teachy right now, and I'm going to read all of the text of the First Amendment. I'm going to break it down for those of you out there, because if the government is messing with this, it's important. But it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That means the government can't say, you have to go to this church, otherwise we're going to throw you in jail. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, which means if you're practicing a religion where you worship Kermit the Frog, we can't come in and tell you that you can't do that. The government cannot shut that down. Um, it says, or prohibiting or, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble. Okay, let's break that down. It says, abridging the freedom of speech. That means the government can't come in if they don't like what I'm saying right now or they don't like that I'm teaching you the First Amendment, they cannot come in here and shut this down. If they did, that would be a violation because it would be the government, that's police officers. That's unconstitutional. If you were to decide that I'm just doing a terrible job and cut it off and say I never want to do this again, you have not violated my right to free speech because you're not the government. I'm not oppressing you. Right. Yeah. You're not oppressing me. And then it says the freedom of the press. That one is a hot topic right now because you keep hearing fake news and this is terrible and I only listen to this news station. And for me, it's comical. But when you say that, okay, who cares? When you start wanting to censor that, that's exactly why we have this amendment because we live in a place where guess what? If we don't like what you're doing on either side, we can gripe to high heaven and the government can't shut you down, which means that as much as a certain person in power may say, you can't be in here and you can't be in here. I'm not talking to these groups. That's great. He cannot shut them down. So there's no shutting down the New York Times or there's no turning off CNN because we don't like who it's criticizing. That's right. what and that can amendment come in here and turn off our transmitters because of what we're talking about. Exactly. I could sit there and say that I can't stand every single elected official out there. And I mean, all of them on both sides. And I could start nitpicking, you know, qualities that I don't like about people. Is it nice? No. But guess what? The Constitution doesn't say I have to be nice. And the government can't not come in and shut me down. If they did, that would be oppressing my right. And I would have a valid case because it's the government stopping me. Can I ask a question about a topical example? Just Absolutely. Where would, this, where would it land? Because um, I know it caused quite a stir, the Snoop Dogg video where... He had a scene that was somewhat depicting what would appear to be the assassination of the president. Right. Um, is there any kind of government or federal recourse that prevents you from doing something like that? Well, it is against the law to threaten the life of the president. Right. And so I think that you're, you're on a really slippery slope because in that video, you, obviously he's an artist. Obviously he's involved in music. Obviously he's unhappy about some things. And can you shut that down? No. If you can take that as a valid threat to the president's life, yes. Which it's probably not. I mean, you know. I'm going to go out on a limb yeah. and say, hey, I, I think that he might not like you enough 
that he wouldn't mind if he fell off the face of the planet. But yes. do I actually think that a, a he is going to <laughs> like do? I mean, do I think that he's going to get access to the White House and 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 come attempt to do what that video depicted? No, I think. Do I think it's particularly artistic? No. I think it's good criticism. I would I would akin it more to being the press criticizing him, but he's an artist. And this is the same with the National Endowment of the Arts. This is what the First Amendment protects because why is it the government's job to tell you what's artistic? Something that's beautiful to me might be completely hideous to somebody else. And there's a lot of very controversial art out there. And so the government can't come shut you down. Um, there was a person who did a lot of things with crucifixes, um, that was very offensive to a lot of Christian people. Very offensive. But the government couldn't stop that, and they tried to keep that piece of art from being installed because it was so offensive. And they couldn't do it. They, the, the artist filed a case saying, you're violating my right to free speech, my right to my art. That's my free speech. You can't shut it down just because you find it offensive and especially because you find it offensive to a religion. Right. And, and I'm going to try to tell people out there, you are welcome to feel as frustrated and angry and everything as you want. And you can do pretty much talking-wise whatever you want. You can't start threatening people. You can't incite violence. You can't, you can't ask people to... If this video said, everybody who listens to this video, everybody who watches this video, go do this, Yes, that, that is not freedom of speech. That is a valid threat because now you're trying to incite violence. And right. do I think that it could, they, they boil it down to an imminence, which means like how likely and how soon is it likely to happen? That I could actually shut down, I think validly. Now you could try to fight me, but I think that in that one, it would be the government would be like, nah, -uh. it's not just you depicting this scene where you might knock off a president. Now you're actively seeking people and giving them the address. There's been a lot of things with doctors who perform certain things that people are not fans of. And then people will publish their personal address and say, here's where, here's where so-and-so lives. Well, obviously the person who posted that is a protester and now they've given out a personal address. That is inciting violence. Yeah, that's, a, that's threatening. <laughs> this is exactly like shaving your hair. Why do you come in with all of your head, your, your head shaved, your arms shaved, your legs shaved, and not think that that's suspicious? If you're not inciting violence in that, in the situation where you're publishing an address, then why the heck did you put the address out there? You're doing it because you want to incite that violence. You can get out there and rebel rouse. You can have all of the marches and speeches and everything, but then the government can come in and they can limit you in time and place and also the manner in which you're doing it. Because if you decide to show up and protest, uh, you know, let's pick the president again because we were already talking about him, but you show up at a school building and stand on the sidewalk, which is still public property, but you hold your speech out there and you have massive speakers and it's really loud the government can come shut you down because you're disrupting the school and it's a time manner place you, you can't you can't go out and protest like that you can't shut things down so then when you have massive groups of people who shut down roads well as as the police and the government i can come in and i can push you back off the road because this is the manner in which you're doing it that might not be it's not that it might not be safe. It's not safe. It's not safe for the people out there and it's not safe for the drivers. And so they can limit you that way. 
And so I just want people to understand that when you're talking about your First Amendment rights, the government can't stop your free speech. The government can't stop the press. But individual companies, radio stations, A&E, any cable station, they can choose to not carry you if they don't like what you're saying because they're not the government. Um, I could talk about this all day, but our show is over today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you listen again next week.